It's the show where the topics are topical, but not typical. This is Atypically Topical with Mindy and Josh. Yes, welcome back to Atypically Topical. Let's see if this works out because the dogs keep running around in the living room. So hopefully they don't. you don't keep hearing little tiny footprints. You can't really hear footprints. What is it? Hear tiny trots? <laughs> uh, oh, you're not speaking. Uh, this is Mindy. You, you know yeah. the uh, the protocol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> supposed Sorry. to be a professional uh, podcasting. Uh, I, like rule. I felt my nose. Like... Oh, you were about to sneeze again. Yeah, I, like I feel it. Like it's gonna happen. Man, are um... you allergic to recording? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so you have the hiccups when we drive or when you're in a car, a moving vehicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, you start sneezing when you're recording your voice. Maybe it's just a learned thing. A what? A learned thing, like <laughs> like a, I associate certain yeah. things with certain situations. I guess. Anyways, yes, we are on episode fifty-two, and he's Josh, and I'm Josh. Yes, uh, I guess I wasn't even supposed to talk until. How does that work? Someone has to introduce. Anyways, let's move on. Um, we're going to be. I already, ta- I already fucked up the intro, which was it's all part well, of the yeah, plan. Yeah, that's true. By not talking, <laughs> no matter what you do, it always uh, ends up messed up. Anyways, um, we're going to be talking about real life heroes today. Yeah. So, man, I totally forgot. I was going to ask you to think of like a real life hero in your life. If you can, if you're on the spot, can you think mm. of one? Because I don't even know. Michelle if I have Obama. One. She's my hero. <laughs> yeah. She's the queen. I figured it would. Yeah, I'd pay taxes to her, for sure. What? <laughs> like, because you know how, like, people pay taxes to royalty or whatever? Oh, no, I guess. Yeah. Well, if well before, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know if, like, England does that. I don't Anymore. know. Anymore. Yeah, but, I mean, if if she was the queen, I'd pay, I'd pay taxes <laughs> to her. Because yeah. she'd probably do some awesome shit with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, like I was going to try to come up with one myself, but then I forgot my own question. So <laughs> maybe by the end, huh? I'm not. Am I not your hero? <laughs> that would be weird to have your girlfriend as your hero. Well, I'm pretty awesome. Unless though. you I, like literally saved my life somehow. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I did. And maybe if I choke sometime, you can. Uh, oh, I don't know how to do how to do the Heimlich. <laughs> yeah, you be screwed. <laughs> Unless okay, well, the... you just watch me. Ambulance came. I mean, isn't there a different version? You could just like ball up a fist and just hit me on the back or something. I don't know. I, I just know that like <laughs> you're not. supposed to like push up in their diaphragm. There you go. See, you're already. But I don't. But that's... I don't know if that's right or not. So I would probably try it and like hope you don't die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better than not doing anything, you know. Yeah, I guess um, so. But I think like I, I think I always I've, I've heard about that happening where somebody tries a Heimlich and they like crack. Some your ribs, ribs and yeah, stuff. I would definitely crack your ribs. Either that one or doing the compressions. Um, oh yeah, you break when the you're diaphragm. doing um, CPR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would hurt, but it's better than dying. <laughs> so. I guess so. They so can, like, you have my permission to try they, at least. They can glue your bones back together. It's fine. I think there was a com- okay. This is like the Heimlich episode now. There was a comedian that I um, remember him. Like I remember him telling a story um, where like he was choking. And he was like driving, and he was by himself. So I, um, he like pulled over, and then got out, and like I don't know where he saw this from or where he got the idea, but he just, he just ran, like stepped out and went back towards the back of his car, and then ran into like the side mirror, mm-hmm. the rear view, uh, yeah, uh, no, the yeah, the side mirror, to like right on that point to where it would come out, and then it came out, and he, <laughs> some like. That's, that's smart. Yeah, it's smart. I mean, it saved his life probably. I don't know what else you can do in that situation. So I just try to like hurry up and flag someone down while you're choking. That'd be kind of be kind of hard to do, but yeah. I mean, I feel like someone would at least like if you're like on the ground, would at least come up and be like, "What's going on here?" Yeah. Or call the police. But anyways, yeah. Hopefully, we don't ever have to. Um, be each other's heroes because that would mean the other person's life is in danger. Damn, now I have Mariah Carey hero that song stuck in my head. Okay, well, I don't know what but to do about just, that. Let's move on before it gets worse. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, maybe by the end of the episode I'll think of one. I'll probably won't even remember to do it, but um, I know you said yours might be a little long, so yeah. let's go ahead and jump into yours, your hero from the past. Um. Okay, so... 
the hero I chose, I was going to choose, like, because there's so many women who are heroes, mm-hmm. but then I was like, okay, I like I'm I trash on men so much, mm-hmm. I should do a story about a good guy, I guess. Oh, okay. But then, then, then but then like, nah. I was, like, looking at all the, like, the men, and it's like, Graham, uh, what's his name? The one, the guy who supposedly invented the... Um, Alexander Graham Yeah. Bell? Yeah. But then he really didn't invent it, though. He invented it before. <laughs> yeah. He just got the patent for it. And then I was looking at, like, all the people, and I was like, man, they could be a hero depending on what you're, what side you're on. Like, history is very subjective when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. So, I guess this guy, he's a hero if you're an American. <laughs> okay. So, um, he did do uh, have a guy after yes. all. Yes. Okay. Um, if, he, if you're a, a Nazi, he's not a hero. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, okay. So, so his name sorry, is... growing population of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, Nazis, yeah. but this not this guy's not for you. Um, so this guy's name he's his name is Audie Murphy. Audie. Yeah. Okay. Does that name sound familiar? No. Okay, good. Okay, so he was born June twentieth, nineteen twenty five, in Kingston, Texas, which is like northeast Texas. So hmm. it's kind of like. Toward Dallas, I guess. Yeah. Um, he had 11 siblings growing up, and he felt yeah. responsible to provide for them. So he dropped out of school when he was in the fifth grade, yeah. which is not uncommon back then. Right. Um, he went to work at a cotton field where he made a dollar a day, which in today's money is like 18 bucks, which is not bad. But, I mean, if you got to provide for like 11 siblings, um, it's not enough. Right. So... Um, so again, so that's not enough. So he would go hunting a lot, um, and that's where kind of he learned how to shoot and be accurate at shooting. And so that will play a part later mm-hmm. on. Um, so in 1940, when he was 15, his dad left, and his a year later after his dad left, his mom died of pneumonia. Mm, so that's tough. Yeah. So now at he's, 15. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Um, so then Pearl Harbor happened, um, and he won't, he went to join the military not only to help provide for his family, but in honor of his mom, I guess, because she loved America, and so he was like, "I'll fight for America." Yeah, I guess by this point he's at he's eighteen or. Uh well, okay, so, um, so when he tried to join, the military turned him down at first because he was too small. <laughs> he was five foot five inches. And 110 pounds. Oh, yeah. So he's a pretty small guy. Uh, but he didn't give it's up. like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm like inch shorter. Okay, yeah, almost, yeah. Um, but he didn't give up. It took him about seven months to gain 12 pounds and a false testimony from his sister stating that he was 18 when he was really 17. <laughs> um, and if you look at pictures of him, um, I don't have one for you, but like he looks like a baby. Right. Um. So after that, they let him in. Um, so he ended up going to the infantry instead of the Marines like he wanted. But he was like, whatever, at least I'm fighting. Um, so after basic training, he was assigned to the 15th Regiment and was shipped to North Africa. While he was in North Africa, he didn't see a lot of fighting um, there. It wasn't until the Allied invasion of Sicily in 1943 where he actually like got to fight. And that's when he was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, here he was shot by he shot two Italian officers earning him a, pr- a promotion as corporal so that's yeah. cool he's 18 and they're already promoting him yeah, and stuff for shooting uh-huh. people um, another incident that happened was in August 1944 he was in France with his best friend his name is uh, Lady Timpton something like that and so apparently like they were at the foxhole uh, but then they saw a group of surrounding Germans and they were like okay let's go capture them and stuff um but it turned out to be a trap and the germans ended up killing his best friend mm. and then he kind of went crazy and like just massacred all the Holy germans shit. single-handedly yeah he that's barely... like out of a movie or something just they just go ah! he killed my best friend yeah he actually grabbed their machine guns and grenades <laughs> there you and, go. and 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 like the from the initial germans that he killed and then like killed the rest of the germans in the area so just regular people walking by <laughs> yeah anything just regular german yeah. people just german shepherds it's like just assume oh no not the german shepherds <laughs> sorry i'm just thinking of german things i don't know what else is german um <laughs> there's a lot pastries mm. 
What? Pastries. Yeah. That's what pastries. you think of, I guess. <laughs> I mean, every country has pastries, I guess. Um, so, as I put it, after that badassery, he received the Distinguished Service Cross. Hmm. Um, so, this kind of is the beginning of all the honors he's going to get. But this, like, kind of thing of just, like, going crazy and just, like, killing a bunch of people is, like, common. It became his, his calling yeah, card. It became his thing. <laughs> so he would, like, charge into battle in the most desperate circumstances and come out alive somehow. <laughs> and then it, he would still have, like, tremendous, he would do tremendous damage to the enemy. Yeah. Um, so thanks to this, he would accumulate medals and go up in the ranks. And by January 1945, at the age of 20, he became second lieutenant, which is a pretty high yeah. uh, standing in the military. Um, okay, so this is the like thing he's known for. Okay. So on January 26, 1945, he would do something that would make him a legendary figure. Okay. In the early afternoon of that day, Audie was leading a platoon of 40 U.S. troops in a clearing outside the French town called Hotsenier. I like tried. I wrote it phonetically, so I wouldn't <laughs> know how to say it. <laughs> Good job. Uh, near near the German border, so you know between France, France and, and yeah. German Germany. Um, the troops were tasked to hold a roadway until reinforcements arrived. However, reinforcements never came, and by 2 p.m. 250 German troops, six tanks, and an artillery barrage emerged from the woods and attacked. Holy shit. Audie's first instinct was to get his men to safety, so he instructed them to withdraw and dig in defense positions along the nearby tree line. As they ran for cover, he stayed behind and used his field telephone to call an artillery, artillery strike. So oh, like artillery, artillery strike, artillery. Take that again. There you go. Artillery you got it. strike. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I so, just wanted to make sure you were able to say it. Yeah, artillery. <laughs> um, da, 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 where are we at? Okay. Because I guess back then they have to the call and they were like, "Hey, like there's Germans like in tow area, like go attack him." Yeah. Essentially. He made the call in time before the, the Germans destroyed a machine gun nest that they had and set an American tank destroyer on fire. Mm. Um, so, you know, the Germans are attacking between them and where he's at, and he's, like, freaking out. Um, luckily, he was able to use the smoke that they, that the, like, the fire, the, the guns were making mm -hmm. um, to get cover and get into the burning tank destroyer. So right now he's in a burning tank. Jeez. Um, this is like the Fury. Movie. Yeah, that's, I, I, wonder, I wonder if Fury got inspiration uh -huh. from this. It seems like it. Yeah, because there's a similar scene. Right, yeah. So he retreated to the top of the destroyer, and over the radio, the artillery commander for the U.S. asked him how close the Germans were to his position, in which he replied, quote, Just hold the phone and I'll let you talk to one of the bastards. Oh. <laughs> um, so the Germans kept firing, and when he realizes that the machine gun on top of the destroyer is still operational, mm -hmm. so he quickly opened fire, fire and mowed down dozens of Nazi soldiers while at the same time directing, directing artillery, artillery fire <laughs> um, over the radio. So he's shooting and talking yeah. at the same time. At some point while he was shooting, a piece of sharpnel went into his leg, but he kept fighting despite that. Well, yeah. I mean, a piece of shrapnel is not going to stop you at this point. It depends how big it is, I guess. Yeah. When he, once he ran out of ammo, he jumped out of the destroyer and went back to his men. He later wrote that the, his only thought while he was retreating was, quote, How come I'm not dead? Yeah. Valid question. Mm -hmm. so, after, so just from that one moment... He personally killed or wounded about 50 Nazis and taking out dozens more indirectly. However, after he went back to his men, he refused to leave the battlefield and rallied his men in a counterattack, driving Nazis back into the woods. After this, um, he was awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions, which I think is the highest honor you can get yeah. in, the, in, in the military or whatever. What's the Purple Heart? That's for like being injured. He had uh, two purple. Well, yeah. He got two. I was going to say he would have gotten that too. Yeah, he got two purple hearts. Okay. So, this is like close to where the war ends, World War 2. Mm -hmm. So, during the last weeks of the war, he didn't really get um any battles at all just because like things are slowing down. And and by V-Day, 
Um, he endured three ru- three wounds, had a bad case of malaria because of the mosquitoes, mm-hmm. had been promoted three times, personally killed, wounded, or captured 240 enemy soldiers, Jesus. and received 33 decorations from the U.S., French, and Bulgarian militaries, making him the most decorated soldier of World War II, all by the age of 20. That's insane. Yeah. He's a badass. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Audie Murphy. How do you spell it? A-U-D-I-E. Okay, Audie Murphy. Yeah. He is. He's a Texas boy, too. Yeah. Good job. There you go, That's, Texas. Yeah. There's more. I know. Go ahead. Um, well, I was just... I had a random thought, like, how you were saying how... Um, he, he was, like, saying, how am I not dead yet? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like at a certain point, like, the other... I mean, if this was around back then, but the other... Um, I guess all the Germans and stuff, they would, like, hear this every time he... Every time he would come at, like, attacking at them. Yeah. <laughs> he just has, like, invincibility. <laughs> like, this dude just picks up a star every time he's going to... <laughs> into battle yeah for real (laughs) um um, but like i said this is not the end of him (laughs) yeah so he was discharged from the army on september 21st 1945 because like the war is over Mm. um and so he had barely made it home before a hollywood actor and producer his name was uh, james carnegie he noticed his photo on a cover of a magazine, and he kind of had an eye for recognizing talent. And um, immediate notice, he immediately noticed like his kind of boyish face had like a certain star quality. So he started, he kind of persuaded him. He persuaded him to like start a career in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He had a slow start at first, um, but in 1949, he got his first first lead in the as a role as a juvenile delinquent in the movie Bad Boy. I didn't see this career turn mm-hmm. happening. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll see more. During this time, he also published his memoir called, quote, called To Hell and Back. I don't know if you heard of that book. I mean, it just sounds like a cliche name of a book. Yeah. So maybe? Um, so the book is basically like, um, it's like a first person view of like war and he described like all the shit that happened to him and like he put like he didn't leave out any gross like details or anything like mm-hmm. it's all very accurate to what happened to him yeah um, and that book became a bestseller oh I mean also, it better it's what he did for everybody yeah <laughs> also um, he got married and to an actress called Wenda Hendricks no no, I'm sorry, not Wanda. Wanda Hendricks. Mm, that makes more not, sense. Yeah, not not <laughs> not related to Jimi Hendrix. Okay. Yeah, um, people out there, don't name your kids Wanda, please. Yeah, <laughs> just don't don't do it. But that marriage only lasted seven months um, for reasons I'll explain later on. Jeez, um, this is like a Homer's Odyssey. Yeah, he, a lot happened to him. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. It's like Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, in 1951, Audie had the opportunity to be directed by Homer's one of, Odyssey. Sorry, go ahead. Um, <laughs> by one of the greatest directors of all time, John Huston, and MGM's The Red Badge of Courage. That sounds familiar mm-hmm. too. It ended up bombing the box office, mm. though, but now it's considered a classic. Oh, so it was ahead of its time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, after this, he continued to play parts in mostly westerns, kind of like that movie that we just saw um, with, uh, where what's his face? Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like an actor. And oh, like yeah. Once Upon a Time Western. in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of remind me of that. Mm. Overall, he acted in a total of 44 films and was a main star in 39 of them. One of his most memorable roles was a movie based on his memoir called To the Hell and Back, which he was the to actor... To the Hell and Back? To Hell and Back. Oh, okay. Uh, which he was... He was the actor... He, and he played himself essentially because like the yeah. memoir is based on his point of view mm-hmm. so he just basically played himself and it includes that like tank scene where he like shooting all those people and stuff speaking of tarantino uh not isn't that what that guy well it's a german guy though um he plays himself in the uh, inglorious bastards like remember he's holed up in that tower 
and he kills all these people, and then they're, they're, oh, yeah. the movie they're showing is him. Like, mm-hmm. I think he does the same thing. Oh, maybe in like... There's a lot of tie-ins the, yeah, to yeah. the story from yeah. different movies and stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Now, I forgot about that, by yeah. the way. Um, I thought of that earlier, too, when you said, like... Because, like, it was similar because there were so many people coming after him, and he was just, like, shooting them all down mm-hmm. from one little... Yeah. yeah. A, lots of history and Tarantino stuff. Yeah. History we're just learning about right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that movie was a success in the box office and remained Universal's most profitable picture for 20 years until Jaws was released. Mm, yeah. Jaws got to ruin it. I can't beat that shark. Yeah, I guess so. Um, unfortunately, um, Audie suffered from PTSD after the war, obviously. That's why his marriage kind of ended because he was like... Yeah, I can see that like very paranoid like he would bring a, he would sleep with a gun and like whenever uh, he went to movies like to like film like he'd always have a gun and like people were always scared that like, who's gonna like freak out and mm-hmm. you know suffered for nightmares like all that typical stuff yeah and so toward the end of his career when like things were kind of declining he became addicted to powerful a powerful prescription gr- drug called pedidol pedicil something like that how do you spell it P L A C I D Y L. Placidil? Placidil. Whatever. It's a drug. <laughs> I'm um, just trying to help you. I'm not uh I'm not attacking you. Um so when he realized that he became became addicted to the drug, he locked himself in a motel room for a week and oh. went full cold turkey to get off the drug. And then he ended up beating the addiction. Um, of course. Because he's a fucking badass. Yeah. Like, he would suffer through war and sure you yeah. can beat addiction. And he became one of the first, like, actors to openly talk about PTSD and the importance of taking care of veterans coming back from, at the time, the Korean and Vietnam Wars. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like the forerunners of talking about mental health and stuff, which is pretty right. cool. So on May 28th, 1971, he was on a plane plane heading toward um, a business meeting apparently during the time like he had lost a lot of money gambling and um, just making bad investments and so this is kind of like the meeting um, that some people think was going to bring him back from mm-hmm. from bankruptcy uh, but the plane ran into a thick fog in Virginia and crashed into the side of a mountain him and all the five passengers and crew were killed Oh, what? Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, plane crash. I was like, yeah. It's the thing that got him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was buried with full military honor at Arlington National Military Cemetery on June 7th, 1971, just shy of his 26th birthday. I mean, not 26th, 46th birthday. <laughs> I was birthday. like, what? <laughs> Dude, is time traveling too? <laughs> um, and according to the cemetery records, the only graveside visited by people by more people than his is JFK. Really? So, mm-hmm. Wow. So he's he's the yeah the second one the second most visited grave in that place. So that's crazy because that's like where everybody goes. Yeah. Everybody, well, everybody important at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made a to the country. He was uh, pretty famous. Yeah. Pretty famous person that I had no idea existed until I did <laughs> Glad. research on him. See, this is the good, the good part of this podcast is that we learn about people like this that we otherwise probably wouldn't have unless it came up on YouTube or Twitter or something. Yeah, and so, you know, like I said, depending on what side you're on, like, yeah. he's a good guy or <laughs> you're a bad a Nazi, guy. Then, yeah. yeah, but for, from our point of view, he's a good guy. So, yeah. I mean, if you're a Nazi, fuck you anyways, right? That's true. Yeah, fuck Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this this could have been like a uh, 4th of July uh, episode story also. So well, well, I found another guy. <laughs> you're going to save for that. <laughs> I'm going to save for that because yeah. he's badass too. But I just, um, his life was just... Um, just more interesting just because of the other like became like a movie star and mm-hmm. all that um and actually was watching um that film based on his memoir and like they showed like a bunch of like scenes from his time in the military including that scene where like the tank is on fire and he's like oh, yeah. shooting with the machine mm-hmm. gun and stuff and like people were like are you crazy like that the tank's gonna blow up at any time because of the gas and stuff in it yeah. but he was just like fuck fuck this and yeah <laughs> 
Very good machine gun sound effects. That's that's exactly how machine guns sound like. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Well, this is the point where I normally try to find some kind of transition into questioning Florida, but can't really go from a an American real life hero to Florida. this woman. <laughs> to this woman, I'm going to be talking about. So let's just jump into questioning Florida. And yes, this time, it's like we did the opposite. This time I found a woman to talk about in Florida, (laughs) questioning Florida, and you found a man to talk about in your story. So this one is a doozy. This headline is going to uh, raise a lot of questions for you, I think. Okay. This is from September 23rd. So just Why is the, it happening on September 23rd? <laughs> you already have the question before. <laughs> um, I, I found it on uh, pjmedia.com. I guess it's just kind of like compilation site, whatever. Mm. Um, all right. Headline. Doctor checking on Casper the camel following an incident where a Florida woman admitted to biting his testicles. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Wait, so the doctor is checking out the camel. Yes. This is like an update, but I'll I'll get into the whole incident. Okay. Um, why did they say the veterinarian then? Hmm? Why did it then say... Because like... Why does the headline not say veterinarian? veterinarian yeah. Cause... That's your question from this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you trying to think the of writer. the least important question? <laughs> All right. Let's just get into it. Okay. All right, so this is actually a case of a Florida woman taking her antics across state lines, basically. This didn't happen in Florida, but it's a Florida couple, so it counts. <laughs> uh, Gloria and Edmund Lancaster, she's 68 and he's 73. Mm, I they're thought from... they would be, like, middle-aged, but they're, like, older. <laughs> <laughs> they're from uh, Milton, Florida, and they were visiting the Tiger truck stop in Louisiana when their dog slipped his leash. Oh, okay. So the dog. So, so far, not nothing too weird. <laughs> yes, so far, but you know what's bound to happen. The dog got into the truck, uh, into the truck stop's camel enclosure. I mean, why, why not? I guess. Yeah, I mean, the dogs like just like just go wherever. Yeah, but why is there a camel enclosure at a truck stop? <laughs> why is there? Did you say there was a tiger? No, it's called the tri- It's called the Tiger Truck Stop. It's like a proper noun. It's a. It's the name of the truck stop. Oh, so there's no tigers. Yeah, oh. no, there's no tigers. Uh, but unfo- I mean, unfortunately. If, they're, if, if they're fucking camels, then why? Why wouldn't there be tigers? <laughs> Maybe that's your question. <laughs> so, um, well, are you sure there's no tigers? Yeah, it's called the Tiger Truck Stop. I looked it up. Okay. Just trust me. Um, I don't trust you. I'm looking. Okay, at I'm just. Their webpage is going to be down because of all the traffic in the story, by the way. This is like the most pointless step. Oh, I see. I, I see the headline. Let me see. Well, yeah, yeah. Now you're going to read ahead. No. I'm just going to go to the website. I already told you it's going to be down. Oh, if Lemon exceeded? Yeah. Okay, let me go to the Facebook page. Now, you, now you're going to see a logo of a tiger. Yeah, there's a tiger. Yeah, I did all of this. Says, uh, Tiger Truck Stop tastes like chicken. It's a store called Tiger Truck Stop. And there's no tigers. That's a bunch of BS. Okay. Are you done? No. Wait a minute. No, I'm done. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the dog got into the truck stop's camel enclosure. So Gloria, ignoring the warning signs, crawled under the barbed wire fence to fetch her dog. And that's when things got weird. The camel, named Casper, somehow ended up sitting on the woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see it happen. A local deputy told the advocate that, uh, quote, the camel has never been aggressive and has never gotten out, never caused any issues. Well, it's probably the woman's fault. He's probably like, okay, I'm going to just sit right <laughs> yeah. now and then her face is I just there. I don't blame him. Um, he added that Gloria and Edmund told him, We've been here before, and we've never had any problems. Well, I mean, you probably haven't tried to go into the Campbell enclosure before, <laughs> so obviously that's why. Um, perhaps Casper recognized the Lancasters and felt familiar enough with Gloria to sit on her face. This was just a editorial comment, I think. <laughs> it was at this point that Gloria, probably fearing for her life with a 600-pound camel's nether regions practically crushing her skull, did the only thing someone in her unlikely position should do, or could do. She bit. She bit hard enough, apparently, that Casper was given antibiotics as a precautionary measure. 
<laughs> that it's really like, got she's you. like a, like a bat or something. <laughs> it's what? like, let's get rabies. Yeah. Well, Casper was given the antibiotics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, she's a bat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gloria was treated at a local hospital. Both patients are reportedly just fine, except for the part where a woman had to bite a camel's private bits, and a camel got his private bits bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um... That's um, the Lancasters were given a citation for violating local leash law. So I guess uh, I mean, okay, but not going into a, well, but not going into a camel enclosure. Yeah, I guess maybe there's not really an expressed law for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, do not go into camel enclosures on uh, Tuesdays or something. You know those weird laws that we talked about on that mm-hmm. one episode. Um, so that was the end of that article, but. There were still some questions I had. So I looked, and there was another site, um, Louisiana Radio Network, that um, had more info, and I'm glad I looked at because I was like, how did how did the dog get in there? Like, why, why would this have happened? First of all, I read that um, security camera footage shows the couple was throwing dog treats at the camel, and that's when their unleashed dog ran into the enclosure. <laughs> Why? Fucking stupid, right? Camels are like, I don't eat But not only that, but you know what your dog's trained to do. Not trained, but like just, um, what's the word? Like it's just incentivized to do when they see a dog treat being thrown. Like you wouldn't just throw a dog treat into a fire. (laughs) Because, I mean, first of all, it would burn up. I don't know if your dog would be that stupid. But if it's just a wide open enclosure. if it was... Joaquin with pepperoni, he probably <laughs> he would go into a fire. Yeah, be, yeah. be a roast pup. Um, <laughs> also, the initial inspection of the camel's scrotum did not show any teeth marks or tearing of the flesh, but witnesses say there's a reason for that. It's also, ball sack like the toothache or something. No, you're kind of on the right right track though. But th- um, think about like a like a typical Florida older maybe meth head. Possibly. I'm just, this is uh, alleged. I'm not saying she was on anything, but. Well, she didn't have any teeth? <laughs> exactly. The girl in the back said she didn't have any teeth. I don't know if that's true or not, but that could explain why there are no bite marks. But we still got a vet coming to check him out today. So this is from the other article. They actually called him a vet. So that, mm-hmm. that should make you happy. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, I guess she, she was 68, so. Not could be why she was missing teeth not no, not because of drugs and stuff but i mean most likely it's probably drugs yeah <laughs> <laughs> knowing uh what we know from 51 episodes of this let's get to their florida man score it's actually surprisingly low because of just the random stuff involved in this there's a convenience store it's worth one point there's an injury caused by a mammal that's worth two points yeah we're mammals and there's a dog involved. That's worth two points. That's it. That's a total of five. So isn't there like a exotic animals thing? <laughs> um, there was like selling exotic animals, I believe. Oh, but not just having exotic... not just having one. Let me double check. We we gotta go to the tape here. Cat, dog, bird, reptile, parrot, primate, alligator, exotic cat, or um. Well, exotic cat, tiger. No, okay. No. <laughs> there's still no tigers in this. <laughs> then why they name it that? <laughs> There's there's always na- names of stuff after animals that doesn't actually have animals in them. Well, then they should rethink the name. <laughs> I, I mean, if I had more time, I could think of one. Like if I was quicker, but I know there's stuff like uh, just think of any like animal, like a lion. There has to be like lion. Lion King mark. has lions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of a, like a store or something. It's like it's like a mascot type of thing, you know. Like the, uh, oh, like the Fox and the Hound. Well, that doesn't exist anymore, though. It was a place. (laughs) I think it does exist still. Anyways, other people might not know what we're talking about, but Fox and the Hound was like a bar that used to be here in San Antonio that turned into like a nail salon. And I I don't know if they completely shut down, but they did definitely exist for a while, and there definitely weren't foxes or hounds. Well, I mean, no, there weren't any foxes or hounds in there, so it's just a thing, Mindy. Okay. Sure. So, okay. (laughs) So yeah, that was the story of Gloria biting a camel's nuts. Cool, cool. And from that, 
let's get into my main story about some real live heroes, and I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Okay. This is one. Is that... Michelle Obama on it? No. Dang it. But just just wait. Okay. And there's going to be some visuals to this because it's a list of a couple of things. And I like visuals. Yes. Yeah, you need... Oh, God, I almost dropped my tablet. You need your pictures. I need my pictures. All right, so for this one, this is actually something that um, happened this month also. And the headline... Or this is from akc.org. I guess it's some kind of like... Uh, well, you'll see. Kansas City? No. Okay. These are the 2019 ACE Award winners. And that, that means... Um, See, when you say ACE, I think of my ACE units. Those are the kids with, like, like low, cognitively or low, like, kids with severe disabilities. Damn, you just spoiled this whole thing. Oh, well, did I? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. Now, let me get through this. <laughs> <laughs> so... The ACE Awards are for heroic dogs being honored for their service. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Does it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't people call their dogs ACE? I guess. No, it's A-C-E. I think it's for a certain... It's a uh, acronym for something. American Kennel Association. Sure, if kennel was with a C. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, E. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, and also, yeah, also yeah. the E part. That <laughs> yeah. was off from the start. <laughs> Just uh, I think that is a thing, though. Yeah, American Kennel Association? Yeah. Let's see. American Kennel. Let's see if you can at least get one point here, because you've been... Oh, American Kennel Club. That's what Club. AKC is. Okay. I was close. And that's what the site is. Okay, we just cracked the code. So I was right and wrong at the same yes. time. Yes. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Association. AKA, I guess that would be also known as Ace. Anyways, let's start with Summer. Okay. Summer is a nine-year-old Labrador retriever. I knew I was going to be at some kind of retriever. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, because her name is... Uh, what was her name? Summer. Summer. And yeah. Like, oh yeah. Summer is kind of like like light colored blonde. Yeah. Type of gonna, name. Uh, I was guessing like golden retriever, but yeah. yeah. So um, of Which course I will. If you're listening, you're gonna want to go to our Facebook page when this and is, like it this comes out yeah. while you're there. Yeah. Um, atypically topical on Facebook. You can find us. You'll see the logo. Um, it's worth it. Yeah. She's super cute. And I'm gonna have the, all these dogs on here. And that way you can see what they look like as you uh, listen to what they did. Um, Summer is a nine-year-old Labrador serving the Transportation Security Administration as an explosive detection dog. So she works at the TSA. And oh, okay. Stiffing bombs and stuff. With her handler, uh, Sergeant Micah Jones. She's responsible for the protection and safety of passengers and, personal, uh, and personnel on board trains, as well as at the stations and infrastructure. She conducts canine sweeps for dignitaries, VIP, special, and national athletic competitions, and she provides mutual aid to surrounding police departments and much more. So, like, whenever there's big, big time people around, she she does the sweeps for that. In addition to the work uh, with the Amtrak police, she is also a retired military working dog. She was deployed in Afghanistan with the Marine Corps in March 2012, and she put her life on the line to keep the troops safe and comfort warriors on the battlefield. She conducted routine patrols, swept and cleared uh, routes for the troops, and was even involved in firefights with insurgents. Hmm. So, so, I mean, like, I get, like, you know, terrorists are assholes and stuff, but, the, like, I feel like they're not as much assholes to... <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, I try to hold it. It strikes again. Um, To kill a fucking dog. Look how cute she is. Yeah. <laughs> how, can you, how can you kill that? That's a pretty good distraction. Yeah. On top of it attacking you. I mean, like, okay, fine. I accept it. Yeah, just take me. Yeah. Summer is credited with positively identifying countless weapons. Positive, positively? Oh, my God. Positively. I'm going to cut all of that out. <laughs> identifying countless weapons, caches, and improvised explosive devices, IEDs. While on duty with the police, Canine Summer... Uh, I guess her full name is Canine Summer. I should have been saying that the whole time. Canine Summer. She's um, offended. <laughs> wears several ribbons 
proudly displaying her time served with the United States Armed Force. So that's, that's, yeah, that's summer. That's number one. <laughs> There's going to be five of these, so that's probably why this might go long or be a two-parter. And that's also why we're not doing a, uh, like a spot the fake or something, because I figured this would be worth it. Yeah, for you sure. You don't want to see these five dogs. Obviously. I can't, I can't, like, go through these five and pick, like, two of them, you know? <laughs> All right, the next one is a therapy dog named Gunther. Oh, shit, that's the wrong one. Named Gunther. Oh, look at him. <laughs> His little tongue out. <laughs> Gunther is a uh, Rottweiler. <laughs> that name Gunther is, like, perfect for him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's like a bigger-looking uh, uh, Rottweiler. <laughs> Six years old, certified by the Alliance of Therapy Dogs, and owned by John Hunt. In 2016, Hunt and Gunther deployed as a therapy dog team to Orlando, Florida to provide comfort to the grieving victims and families of the Pulse nightclub shooting. Oh. Since then, they have been he's, deployed... He's a uh, pro-LGBT. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. oh, I mean, I feel like any dog would be, but like, as long as he gave me attention. Yeah, I mean, all the... All the... You see male dogs fucking each other all the time, so they don't discriminate. <laughs> Unless they're raised by, like, homophobic yeah, owners that are, like, hate the like gays. Like the one on, uh, well, the, the one on South Park was definitely gay, the Mr. Slave's dog or oh. something. <laughs> okay, so um, since then, they have deployed to Las Vegas in the wake of the hotel shooting. Mm-hmm. Um Sutherland Springs, Texas, after the First Baptist uh, First Baptist Church mass shooting. By the way, like, how bad is it where you yeah. have to say the first? I know. Yes. And it's sad that, like, it's gone to this many. There's also Parkland, Florida. No, but you get, you know people just love their guns. You yeah. take, can't take my guns away. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I, I get it. Um Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at the, after the Tree of Life synagogue mass shooting, and most recently, the incident at the municipal building in Virginia Beach. Oh, so yeah. basically, anytime there's some kind of big shooting, which is weekly now, this uh, Gunther is there to uh, help him out. So I mean, you could go through the worst traumatic events, but like his little face will make you happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For a little bit, at least. Yeah. So, all right. The next one is a service dog named Polly. <laughs> Polly, he kind of, she kind of reminds me of Prince. Yeah, that, he, she has. I thought like you would re- say that our dog yeah. Prince. Yeah, yeah, because she has like resting sad face. Mm-hmm. So she is a black lab, five years old, owned by Rachel Husband. Okay, of Sparks, Nevada. Uh, Rachel has a rare health condition called dysautonomia. Okay, a disorder of the autonomic nervous system, which causes fainting. And leaves her wheelchair bound. Mm. Polly and Rachel have ventured across the dog sport world, competing in various American Kennel Club sports. Now I know it because it's the acronym, but I guess. I just had the last word wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, including rally, obedience, and barn hunt. But Polly's most important role is a service dog. Um, as a service dog, she picks up dropped objects, retrieves items, helps pull Rachel's wheelchair. And is even able to use a canine button to call 911 in an emergency. Yeah. Uh, the duo has achieved so many things that Rachel never imagined she'd be able to accomplish before the dog. They have snowmobiled in Alaska, road tripped from Virginia to California, and competed in rally, I guess that's that one event, mm-hmm. in 18 states so far. The pair is working to achieve their goal of competing in rally in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. Polly enables Rachel to be able to work full-time and help... Um, and has helped Rachel gain her regain her independence. She's such a good girl. Look at <laughs> yeah. her. So I mean, these are all yeah, freaking heroes, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 the not human, heroes. but come on, these are just as important as way more important than what a lot of humans if, do. Yeah, if if you disagree with that statement, you're an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're up there with the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, that that could just be a blanket statement for this whole podcast. If you disagree with anything we're saying, I'm just kidding. All right, the next one is a search and rescue dog named Joe Pete. Joe Pete? Oh, okay. And it's just like J-O-E and Pete, just all together. Oh, okay. Also known as JP is an eight-year-old Doberman Pinscher owned and handled by Chris Bean. Together, they volunteer with the Michigan Search and Rescue. 
Chris rescued Joe Pete in 2010, and he progressed rapidly through the human remains. What the? The human remains training program. That just sounds so dark. But oh, I mean, I mean I guess, I, yeah, you can kind of guess what he does. Yeah. <laughs> However, just prior to achieving certification, Joe Pete received a very early diagnosis of Wobbler's disease, which is a term referring to. <laughs> it's the cutest disease ever. I know, right? <laughs> I have Wobbler's. I have Wobbler's disease. <laughs> <laughs> Referring to several possible, and it's like, it's like all horrible, <laughs> referring to several possible malformations of the cervical vertebrae that cause an unsteady gait and weaknesses in dogs and horses. Wait, the cerebral, what, what was that word? Yeah, cervical. Cervical. Cervical vertebrae. So is that like her, his hips, I guess? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Despite his diagnosis, Joe Pete achieved certification with Mi- Michigan Search and Rescue and went on to achieve certification uh, with two national organizations as well. He has since participated in 29 missing person searches, helping to bring closure to many grieving families. Mm. He's like uh, the dog murderino. <laughs> yeah. He also aided in local graveyard re- reconstruction projects by historical societies and landowners by helping to locate burial sites in forgotten cemeteries in and around the state of Michigan. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. You can still like detect that stuff after like years and years of just being buried. I guess so, yeah. Um, in addition to his search and rescue, he's participated in countless educational demonstrations with children, adults, and individuals with special needs. He earned his AKC Canine Good, Citi- Good Citizen Certification and has become a certified therapy dog through the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. I want to be in that committee that decides <laughs> right? to get dominated. <laughs> right? Oh, like for these awards? Yeah. Yeah, for real. Um, despite his battle with wobblers, his strength, work ethic, determination, and loving spirit shine through every single day in his search and rescue work. Mm-hmm. Go another good boy. Mm-hmm. And we'll end with this dog. And this is, she is an exemplary companion dog. And her name is Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little head on. She, uh, describe and then, describe what you're seeing. Okay, so imagine a Dalmatian, right? Um, except she has a little fireman hat on, and she has a bed, a red bandana around her neck that has two paw prints on it, and it says Molly in cursive. Yeah. It's the cutest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's looking all professional like, <laughs> for because like she she photo. knows she's fabulous yeah. for sure. Uh, <laughs> so Molly is a seven-year-old Dalmatian owned by Dana Hilton, who's more than just a family pet. She's a fire safety dog, and she's also the mascot of the Keep Kids Fire Safe Foundation, which is a, ch- a public charity dedicated to reducing fire-related deaths and injuries among children and their families. Since just nine weeks old, Molly has been working tirelessly to help educate children about fire safety. As the mascot, Molly helps make fire safety presentations and travels over 25,000 miles a year to appear at educational events across the U.S. During the program, Molly demonstrates many of the tricks she has learned, including how to test a smoke alarm with her nose and how to crawl low under smoke. Well, how do you test a smoke alarm with her, with her nose? Just, you just hold the button. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know how she'd be able to reach it. <laughs> but I mean, I guess she's showing she is showing people how to do it. So yeah. she's not like she's training other dogs. So that was dumb, Josh. Um, so I just I just thought like that's cute to think about, just like going up to the smoke detector and or like crawling under smoke. <laughs> um, Molly also helps her owner and local firefighter Dana by turning pages of a children's fire safety book and raising her paw to help make children junior firefighters. Aww. <laughs> For the children Molly can't reach physically, she actively participates in the foundation's popular fire safety Skype program. <laughs> <laughs> so she's a Skype star too. That's why she's looking like that. She knows. She needs to start a YouTube channel. For <laughs> right. real. Hey, hey, what's up, guys? This is Molly here with another fire safety video. This time we're gonna be showing you about. <laughs> I'd to... watch. I'd watch yeah. all those videos for Make sure. Make sure to like, subscribe, bark. <laughs> um, <laughs> So the program is called Learning About Fire Safety is Fun. Could have been more creative, but I'll... <laughs> she has Skyped almost 500 times with more than 17,000 children and 1,800 adults. In addition to serving as the official mascot, Molly is also the honorary fire dog for the Little Rock Fire Department. Uh, in Arkansas? 
Um, no, this was in Michigan. Michigan. Molly's loyalty and dedication to her work and community are an inspiration to children and dog lovers everywhere. Aww. So, uh, good girl, Molly. <laughs> a very nice change of pace from terrible men and like assault and all the stuff I usually find in my <laughs> in my research. Yes, we've got exactly. some nice doggies here to talk about. Yeah, and definitely real life heroes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't think our dog could do any of that, but it's okay. Well, they they help with being loved and helping de-stress. That's true. They, they I know that um, petting a dog can severely reduce stress, mm-hmm. like physically reduce anxiety and stress. So yeah, it's good to have two around, even though one of them causes stress a lot. <laughs> causes stress, but he takes Gain. alleviates stress at he the does. same time. Yes, because he's cute and he gives you kisses. He does. He likes kissing your face. Yeah, that's always a plus. <laughs> if you're a dog. Yeah. If you're a human, don't do that. Well, I mean, it just depends on who you do it to. It's true. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually the one that says that. I was going to see how long we could be quiet, but that's probably a good call. On that note. Um, on that note. Another successful one in the books. We now have 52 complete. We have one for every week of the year, so we're done, guys. No more. <laughs> yeah. We're retiring. Forever. All right. Let's go ahead. Yeah, we'll be back. Let's go ahead and grab our glasses here. And go grab a refill. Okay, bye. Bye. He stayed behind and used his field telephone to call an artillery strike. So oh, like artillery, artillery strike, artillery. Take that again. There you go. Artillery you got strike. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay.